Dave Chang is an avid student and fan of sports, music, art, film, and of course, food. With a rotating cast of guests, they have conversations that cover everything from the creative process to his guests' guiltiest pleasures. Follow The Dave Chang Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. It's the very last day of November. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Thanks for that calendar update, along well, with everything else. It's good to be grounded in the world. I didn't know what day it was. It's hard to keep track in this this never-ending pandemic. Um, also, I just feel like the last day of November means something, because it's like full speed into the Christmas and New Year season, and I don't know. That's true. I guess technically advent calendars, if that's something you partake in, start on December 1st. I actually didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. They, I mean, it's like 25 days. Also, if you think about right. like Hallmark Channel, like 25 days of like holiday movies, even though I'm sure they're doing like 75 days of holiday movies now, I haven't really checked in with Hallmark's holiday programming yet because in my house, we have the rule that there can be no holiday or Christmas until after Thanksgiving, which I think is fair. I yeah, think absolutely. that's I think that's reasonable. It's it like normal. does. It does mean that I like descended the stairs on Friday morning at 8.30 a.m. blasting baby please come home from my iPhone just to <laughs> torment the other inhabitants of my home. Um, and the lighting project, guys, it's it's underway. But I think you're right. December 1st marks like a, oh, like, wow, it's it's almost here. I just want to note, no one knows what the lighting project is. <laughs> Do you <laughs> Do you want to explain <laughs> my personal uh, holiday lighting project, which is really ambitious this year? It, I would say there is a Clark Griswold esque element to it 
for those of you who are, you know, not 85 years old, Clark Griswold is the Chevy Chase character in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And there is a big plot line involving him trying to figure out the power source in order to light like the like 25,000 lights on his home. I'm not there yet. Nothing that I'm doing this year involves a staple gun, which I think <laughs> is great from a health and safety perspective. <laughs> Everything is kind of like wrapping around or using like natural elements like vines, trees and such. Um, But I do have a multi-phase plan. Um, I have, you know, a a power and electricity consultant who is my unwilling husband who has like walked the grounds with me several times to figure out where the grounds that sounds like I have a massive estate. I just have like a front yard. Um, But to figure out where we need to put the various extension cords, you know, and how many lights we can chain together, strings of lights we can chain together in any one time. And we're rolling it out over the next couple of weeks. So far I have, um, kind of my Charlie Brown Christmas tree, a uh, uh, succulent. I, we have like a succulent that I've wrapped with a lot of lights Lovely. And, and, and there are some, I use some net lighting, Ooh. um, on some vines which was like a very easy installation. I really recommend it. Shout out to the person who invented net lighting. I, after last year, having dallied with um, solar powered Christmas lighting, I have to report that it didn't work out for me personally. So I did <laughs> invest in regular electrical powered lights, but I'm going to try to make up for the electricity usage in other ways. And I really look forward to updating everyone on this lighting project as the weeks go on. Uh, we can't wait to hear about it. I'm I'm really happy for you. This is, you. This is all great. Thank you. Developments so in your life. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, unfortunately we have to move on to some celebrity topics, sure. but Amanda will be back next week with an update on her <laughs> quote lighting project. Close quote. Um, we are going to discuss this Adam McKay profile in Vanity Fair, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be touching on the Beatles who are, you know, not there ever gone, but at the four at the moment. Um, of course, we've got some Adele updates. I mean, when do we not? Yeah. And who knows what other surprises we'll have along the way. I feel like things always pop up. What are we going to start with? Uh, let's start with Adele. Okay. Why not? Four weeks strong. <laughs> um, mean, we got to take the content that's given to us. You also, know? Adele is universal. So this is actually kind of like, a, I would say, universal podcast. The Beatles are also universal. That's almost. true. Yes. Um, Adele announced today that she is doing a, ve- a Vegas residency at the Caesars Palace two nights per week from January to April. Gotta assume she's on the Britney Spears plan of flying in and out just for the shows. Also known as the Taylor Swift plan, who always flies to her own homes after a show. And... um. Gotta assume she's making a shit ton of money. Apparently, Lady Gaga gets a million dollars per night. So I assume that's the range we're talking for Adele. I would hope so. So th- it's weekends with Adele. So she's spending her weekends in Vegas. So do you think that she's flying out Friday, flying back Friday night, and then flying out Saturday again and flying back Saturday? Or do you think she's doing the weekend and then coming home? My first response was the former. She's just flying in and out for the shows. However... I could see Adele loving Vegas as the British woman that she is. I could see her like really just kind of like finding it funny and Mm -hmm. fun. So I could see her maybe spending some weekends there, but can one really spend every weekend for four months in Las Vegas? I'm going to say no. 
I as a person could never. who is, as a person who has never been to Las Vegas, I will also answer no. I can't um, believe you've never been. You're so do you lucky. Th- do you think I'll ever go? No, I don't. I don't either because I, like, it's good to learn about things, you know, and it's good to not have preconceived notions and it's good to not close yourself off from experiences. But I'm certain that I would hate it. Like it has everything that it's I horrible. absolutely would hate. There's no sunlight. That's There's, not true. I mean, if you go outside, there's too much sunlight, but right. But I mean, everything is engineered around being like vacuum packed, like no sunlight. Unfortunately, rooms. the sunlight is like either because you have the misfortune of walking outside in Las Vegas or because right. you're at like a horrible pool party or whatever. But right. It's just it's rough. It's I hate it there. I've been so many times. Um, I've this only only had two trips that I like am happy about but i because there's so much basketball in vegas i've been to summer league like five times so that's five trips right there i went for a friend's 21st birthday it went for like another like friend weekend trip i just i hate it but i've also like i know it quite well i've been there a lot how many residencies have you been to i've been to one residency twice so only the backstreet boys i've only seen the backstreet boys and i went two times okay um, I vividly remember at least one of those trips where you were coming home from somewhere else and like yeah, diverted was, your plane. Basically, it was it my was, year of travel. It was 2019. And in my year of travel, I'd be tuned back from New York, um, from Los Angeles. And yes, it was like literally one of the best nights of my life. I was completely sober. And at the end of the night, I cried because I was so happy. And at one point I was standing next to Nick Carter and I was so overwhelmed that I literally just fell down. Like I was so <laughs> happy. I just fell over. Like just, I lost my balance because I was like five inches away from my one and only Nicholas Jean Carter. So that was awesome. And I had a great fucking time. Also, both of those times I stayed at nice hotels. Once I stayed at the Aria and once I stayed at the Wynn. Where you stay makes such a huge difference there. And, you know, we stayed at the Caesars for work a few times. It's a lovely hotel. Um, I'm sure Adele will be very happy. J-Lo, I believe, did her residency at Caesars as, as well as Celine Dion. So they've got some great celebrity accommodations. So Adele will be very happy. Um, but I was discussing this with my brother this morning. So it's weekends. For, uh, for basically three and a half months. I think it's like January something to like April 16th or whatever. That's a very short window. I I think those tickets are going to be really expensive and really hard to come by. Well, I was going to ask, are you going to try to go? No, I'm not. What? I think that Adele will likely go on a stadium tour this coming okay. summer. Though I think we discussed this. Those stadiums got to be packed between Taylor Swift and Adele. and Right. And all the other people who have been waiting until yeah. 2022. Yeah. So I assume she'll go on tour in a more hospitable venue for me. Um, so a stadium is more hospitable to you than a residency. Well, I just don't want to go to Las Vegas. I mean, I, I do feel you on that. Um, we have, I, I will say though, as you noted, if Adele can commute from Las Vegas to, well, I guess you'd have to come to LA first. This is well, I was thinking I have to go to LA in February. So maybe like, I'm yeah, back. I was thinking and about that. We have friends recently who commuted to a John Mulaney show in Las Vegas. We do. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they just like went for the night because they can only get a babysitter, you know, until like 10 or so. So that's hilarious. I think even skipped dinner, but like the Mulaney sh- tickets were sold out in Los Angeles, but available in Las Vegas. So they commuted for the show. 
which I think ultimately did end up being less expensive than paying for a babysitter overnight. So you could do that. I'm just talking about like the actual ideal venue in which to hear Adele. Is a stadium? No. Really? What the you're ideal for? venue we already experienced is the I know, that was amazing. That's is- true. At the corner of Wilshire and Western. I mean, that was awesome. I would love to hear the new songs, but the ideal venue for Adele is like, you know, 5,000 people or less. Like it's, it's small. How large is a residency crowd in Vegas? You know, we can look up the Caesars occupancy right now. This is um, exciting. We live, yeah. we live in the future and we can Google things on the internet in real time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's great, but like, I don't know. Like you just, it's really hard to get me to want to go to Vegas. It's 4,100 people at the Coliseum in I Vegas. Mean, that's pretty great. That's that really small. Is, that's as intimate, I think, as you're going to get for Adele, unless you're, you know, selling an organ for a secret show or something. I don't, I, mean, I don't know what, I don't know what you have to do for the secret shows these days. I, I don't even know how much that's going to cost though. I mean, that's yeah. expensive. Although I that's do true. think there might be less travel this, this winter than people may have hoped for just yeah. given COVID developments. Um, but you know, I, I will say my biggest Adele shocker of the last week mm-hmm. was that the song hold on plays in an Amazon commercial. And uh-huh. I first heard that commercial during one of the football games on Christmas on Thanksgiving. How much did Amazon pay or do they get a discount for like heavy promo on Amazon music, but like a brand new Adele song in your like holiday commercial. That's a pretty penny. Not that Amazon can't afford it, but still, I really hope that Amazon did not get a discount. Uh, (laughs) Number one, they're Amazon. And number two, no one is listening to Amazon music. No offense. So I would hope that it's in the millions of dollars. But I don't know. This is one of the things where I wish that I had some reference ballpark figures for these sorts of things. Like, I would love to know what is the goal. How much is Brad Pitt getting paid for that weird coffee commercial that he's in now? I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. Where but, he know, like this- goes and picks up some roast beans and goes back to his home. That's definitely not his real home, but it's a lovely home. And then he has to do like mm, ah coffee at the end. Also, like is licensing a really popular song more or less valuable to you than having Brad Pitt or Ben Affleck, for example, who we recently discussed his commercial right. exploits appearing in your commercial? Like what what's a more evocative choice. And I have to say, I think it's an Adele song. I'd rather pay more for Adele than for Brad Pitt or Ben Affleck. Wow. I mean, that's not surprising, but (laughs) that also is like a really specific articulation of your values at this point in time, you know, (laughs) on this particular day, on on this particular day. But those are sort of like the core interests and how we rank them. I, you know, that's, I, I think I would probably still pay a lot for for Brad Pitt or Ben Affleck. What's the commercial Brad Pitt's in? It's like, it's one of like Clooney's, it's not Nespresso, it's some Italian coffee. I don't know whether it's espresso or coffee itself. He's like getting the beans, but then there's like a machine. I'm not really conversant in the world of uh, Italian coffee and espresso makers. Not my, I mean, I enjoy a lovely coffee, but I'm not the barista in the home. Uh, it's pretty goofy. It's definitely like one of those commercials that 10 years ago, they just would never have been allowed to play in the U.S. I mean, when celebrities and movie stars in particular did these sorts of deals, they would do them internationally and then forbid them for uh, ever being seen where people could have associations with them. And now everyone's just like, I need money. I don't care. It's a free for all. So, yeah, it's a free for all. 
So I wouldn't say it's his best work. Uh, it's a very nice house, but you got to figure five million. I don't know. How much do you figure? I, is there someone in the advertising industry who can just, you know, send us some sort of sample rate sheet? I'd just love to know. I'll it's keep one it day of work, right? I'm sure it's one day of work. I would and hope so. Yeah, it's probably, I would say three to five. Okay. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, that is such a great day rate. That's not the day rate you get on a movie, that's for sure. Absolutely. That's why they do it. But a million a day for Adele. So that's two million a weekend for what? Is that 12, 14 weekends? So that's $25 million that she's making from the residency? Basically, yeah. It's pretty that's great. Good. good for her. Good stuff. That's awesome. Um, I also like, I assume it's that short because she's going on tour. Sure. That was or maybe great. also she just knows that you can only spend so many, much time in Vegas. I mean, the Backstreet Boys are going to be back in Vegas eventually. And Britney did a long one. Celine did a long one. JLo. Gaga's still going, right? Or is she done? I think that she's still going because I recently saw a clip where she says people just yell father, son, and house of Gucci, like at her in the middle of her shows. Now she's like singing serious songs and people are just doing the accent back at her. Have you been able to see house of Gucci yet? I have not. Okay. I just, I think it's a really fun time and I think that you'll like it. I'm going to watch it update. She was there for two weeks in October. So I feel like it's it kind of, kind of goes in and out is what, okay. I'm, what I'm gathering. All right. Father, Son, and House of Gucci is funny, though. Um, um, that whole movie is funny. If you want to have a nice time, go see House of Gucci. That's what I have to say. Okay. I'll check it out. Um, next, shall we discuss this Adam McKay Vanity Fair profile? Yeah. I'm going to be very honest. Okay. I have only read the quoted paragraphs that are going around. I did not read the full Joe Hagan profile in Vanity Fair. So I don't have as much context for this as maybe I should, but also I have the right amount of context for what everybody else has, which is that he shared some like sad and like quite personal information about the breakup of his friendship and creative partnership with Will Ferrell. Yes. And in like deep specifics. And then everyone was really bummed out about it and also had a lot of questions. Um, I have a lot of questions. So yes, Basically, as you may or may not know, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell worked together for a very long time. They had a production company called Gary Sanchez. They started Funny or Die. I believe it's Adam McKay's daughter, Pearl, who stars in the famous Pearl the Landlord video, yes. one of the first viral videos. One of the best viral videos still to this day. I the I work too hard. The way that Pearl says it is something that I say to myself in my head at least once a day. And I don't think like I don't say it out loud because I don't think anyone else would get the reference, but it really lives on with me. Pearl the landlord is a vestige from when the internet was good. Back in the, back in the happy days. I think that might have been sent to me as like a dot mov file like in an email That's no really I guess funny. I guess if it was for funny or die, then you were watching it on the funny or die website. but yeah, we, you and I existed back when that's how videos were shared. There was, there's one other video, this is a side note, but like, there's one other video like that for me where I'm just like, the, the world used to be good. And that's Charlie bit me. And I remember uh-huh. being in, in college and my college roommate, Claudia and I were obsessed with Charlie bit me. We just watched it over and over and over. And then I like, that was, it must've been like 2006, 2007. And then I mm-hmm. remember like the 10 year anniversary of Charlie bit me, the kids like being all grown up and it was like so disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> It's not it's, time them, comes for all of us. We want them to stay preserved in amber. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, 
Adam McKay and Will Ferrell had a really fruitful working relationship. And I think they were like best buds as a result. And they both got really famous. They, you know, were responsible for many popular movies. Um, and then over the last couple of years, they sort of like dissociated. And then it became official that they were no longer working together like a year or so ago. I think there was like some questions around it, but like if you'll know better than I, Amanda, this is more your big picture domain, but the kind of like conventional wisdom was that they wanted different things, kind of like a sort of amicable or somewhat contentious, but not terrible divorce, but just sort of like Adam McKay wanted to do this and Will Smith, Will Ferrell wanted to do this. Is that correct? Yeah. So their production company was Gary Sanchez Productions, which you can still see at the very end of the succession credits because they did produce this company produce succession among many other things. And I think, listen, I don't really have a lot of context. I'm not hanging out with Adam McKay or Will Ferrell on a regular basis, but yes, that, that basic creative partnership over time of like, we're more interested in doing this versus I'm more interested in doing this. And there is some drift, which I think happens in a lot of partnerships. And it was in 2019 that they released a joint statement announcing kind of the split and the end of that. Well, it was their own conscious uncoupling. Yes, exactly. And I'll read from this, the statement, the two of us will always work together creatively and always be friends. And we recognize we are lucky as hell to end this venture as such. Um, apparently that was not true, (laughs) which I don't think anyone believed, right? Cause you don't break up if it's like going super well. Yeah. But you never know how much of it is sort of like money or legal or, who knows? You know, what? like I, so many things get so in, involved and administratively and bureauc- you know, bureaucratically headachey. You never, you never totally know. Yeah. Um. So then this Vanity Fair article came out because he is promoting the like the kind of the first movie that really got people's attention during the pandemic. I would say when they were shooting, when mm-hmm. they were shooting in Boston, it was Leo and Jennifer Lawrence. Also, like her return. And um, the name of the movie is Don't Look Up, I, re- I believe. Is that yes, it is. Yes. Um, and so he's doing press. They're all doing press. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually looking forward to the J-Law content. Um, and <laughs> she's a good interview. She provides some good viral clips. Yeah. Anyway, he says that they actually broke up because of a casting decision that Adam McKay made as it relates to a show that's currently in progress, which is this television show about the Showtime Lakers that will be on HBO. And basically, Adam McKay recast a role, the role of Jerry Buss, who used to be the owner and he's much venerated uh, person in the NBA world. It was going to be Will Ferrell originally. And then Adam McKay recast him, recast the part with uh, John C. Riley. And which I think is funny because also um, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, I, I believe, were our buddies. Unclear on that, they were in um, Step Brothers together and several other movies. <laughs> um, and Adam McKay didn't give Will Ferrell the heads up beforehand, right. and as a result, they are no longer friends or working together. Right. And according to Adam McKay, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are are friends because Adam McKay did not notify Will Ferrell, but then John C. Riley called Will Ferrell because they're friends and was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know. Um, which just really seems like a huge unforced error on the part of Adam McKay. (laughs) It's really confusing. It's such a confusing thing to happen between friends that I'm like, is this true? Like, is this the full story? Like I, 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 this like does not compute for me. And then 
Adam McKay volunteers this information to Vanity Fair, which, listen, Joe Hagan, longtime media reporter, uh, wrote a quite astonishing book about Jan Wenner and Rolling Stone. If you haven't read that, it's very long, but uh, revealing. So I'll give him some credit, I guess, for like asking the right questions. But Adam McKay's like, sure, let me tell you what happened. I fired my friend, didn't tell him. And like now he hates me and won't answer my phone calls and emails. You don't have to answer the question that way. Just so <laughs> you know, like yeah, everyone, you, you put out a statement a couple of years ago, just regurgitate the statement. You've got the language already. Or you can soften the story. I mean, you and I spend a lot of time being skeptics about celebrity coverage, which I, I think is always important and trying to read through the lines and all of this stuff. But like, sometimes I think celebrities and and the, their publicists, and even we forget, like, you can lie. Like, this isn't, you're not under oath. Like, you're not, this isn't the Pentagon Papers. The The world is not at stake here. Like, you don't have to say everything. Uh, it's pretty inexplicable for, like, a trained media professional and director. Also, Adam McKay, as the piece notes, is, like, very active on Twitter and, like, yeah. very deliberate with what he puts out into the world. So... I'm almost like, is he covering something for Will Ferrell? I was like, is there something that actually Will Ferrell did that he's like being gracious or kind and not revealing? I mean, he does tell the story from the perspective of I screwed up. Like I really screwed up and this is gone. And I thought like at some point, maybe it would be water under the bridge and it hasn't been. And he's like, I've emailed Will Ferrell. Like I've tried to talk about all of these issues And I'm like not hearing back. So in a way, it almost seems like a public attempt to reach out to someone who you like, who is just not engaging with you. But I don't know if it's going to work. If I'm Will Ferrell and I'm reading this, I'm not suddenly like stirred to reanimate this relationship, you know, especially because can I just um, (laughs) just let me read his description of the emails. Um, This is Adam McKay speaking. He took it as a way deeper hurt than I ever imagined. And I tried to reach out to him and I reminded him of some slights that were thrown my way that were never apologized for. Well, that's not good. That's not how we apologize. That's not how we get someone back by being (laughs) like, also, here's everything that you did for us. Did wrong to me. Um, So I don't know if this gambit will work, if that is even what he's trying to do. It's just very confusing. I find this whole thing very confusing. Also, it's just sort of an int- it is worth reading the whole profile. He kind of begins it being like profiles. What a joke these days. Everyone just has their own personal brand. And true. I mean, Adam McKay is super smart. And I would say, like, I agree with many of the things he says, if not most. I like him very much as a director. And I think he's really insightful about the media great work. and yeah, he's just- in the world at large. Totally. He's had, has a lot of great work out there and he's like so influential. He's, he is great. Um, but this is just a very, it's, it's so confusing that I'm just like, there's something missing here or something. I I don't know. It's also like not real, certainly not the public concept of Will Ferrell. Right. And, and I think the Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, like Anchorman, stepbrothers, that whole, like just a bunch of guys being very funny you don't really imagine egos or internal uh, strife or resentment, which of course there is. It's a part of any working relationship, which we will get to Juliet when we talk about the Beatles. Wow. What a theme, but it's like not, 
what we've come to associate with these two like very smart, like goofy, ultimately mostly feel good, like comedy people. That's still like, I think when you hear those names, what you think of, and yeah. then you're like, wait, you guys like hate each other. Like, no, that's not, I know, it's so sad. not what also, we wanted. Also, Will Ferrell seems like, um, in his personal life, as far as I know, rather, um, demure and like mm-hmm. kind of quiet and, and sort of like gentle. Uh, and so I feel like that sort of like the deep hurt that Adam McKay reference really like resonated. And I do think that Will Ferrell is like a very, I mean, I think they're both complex beings, but I do think Will Ferrell, especially the one, you know, being front of the camera comedian probably has a lot going on inside sure. his mind. Well, and his that's, heart. that's what they say about comedians, which is also you know what why. I say about comedians. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> I enjoy comedy most of the time. I'm about to say I do sometimes, not always. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I really don't. I don't go much for stand up to TBQH, but that's okay. Um, I like traveling for a John Mulaney show. Boggles my mind. Boggles. Yeah, but it turned out to be great timing because it was like the same weekend as all of that stuff leaked, and it was you know, which is its own you know media what have you which still seems to be things are going i i wish everyone well in that situation <laughs> uh that's really all i could say on that one so i but i i like to laugh i want to be clear i'm not a killjoy i just sometimes comedians can can take their art quite seriously which as as this story sort of proves you know that there is a lot of uh like agita behind Step Brothers, which is just the fun- one of the funniest movies ever made. Yeah, it's it is really good. I mean, so is Anchorman. Anchorman's yeah, really fucking. It's funny. really true. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> All right, onwards. Also, I I hope they patch it up. It's I hate when friendships break up. I think it's like almost sadder than like marriages ending. I do too. I mean, if this actually if this gambit works, and they like reconcile in public, that would be like a great, really old school lovely celebrity moment of, you know, Vanity Fair bringing people together. It's, you know, 2001 all over again. It'd be a great basis of a rom-com about two best friends. That's that's a great idea. Maybe you should pitch it to one of them and then it can like bring them <laughs> back together. And then you got the meta story, you got the marketing all in. It all happens here, you know? Can you think of a great movie about best friends? Francis Ha. Mm, I love Francis Ha. Me too. It's a great um, movie. And it and it is ultimately about like sorting out friendship and all of that stuff. I guess it's mostly about the Francis character, but there is that beautiful moment at the end about about friends and so, the at Vassar. Yes, um, I'm I'm sure there are more, but I've been thinking a lot about Francis Hot recently. Beautiful movie. So, oh my god, I actually can't watch it. It's too it's too emotional for me. <laughs> okay, I get it. Like the first time I saw it, I was like wrecked for like the entire week after. Yeah. Oh my God. I think I was like 27. So it was like prime time to see that movie. Yeah. Same. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. 
Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Anyway, next, the Beatles. I have not watched any of this documentary. Okay. Are you a Beatles fan, like in general? Oh, yeah. Do you not know that about me, that I'm like a huge Beatles nerd? I know that you, I know that you like them, but I feel like I'm not like message board level let's just be clear but that's like more about like amanda dobbins is not like a message board kind of person you know like i'm i'm not trying to get in the mix with everyone all of the time i like to to share and then go home and the beatles can have that level of like really intense mess i mean they're like one of the greatest rock bands of all time and also uh one of those covered rock bands of all time and also like boomers love them all the Gen X guys decided to like argue about them a lot. You know, like it, I'm not the music magazine type of Beatles fan. I'm just a person who watched the Beatles anthology when she was 11 years old. Do you remember the Beatles anthology? I do. Yeah, of course. It was also aired on Thanksgiving. It was like a three part documentary special. I think it was on ABC and it was like the, a, a full career, like the, the full span of the Beatles documentary with like a lot of interviews and behind the scenes information. But if you hit if we're 11 years old and like, didn't know what the Beatles were are and like weren't alive in 1964 or 66, et cetera, a great education. And also kind of when I was learning about having my own tastes and specifically mm. music tastes. And so you hear, especially some of the early Beatles and I, just like became a, I was like an 11 year old Beatles head. Like I got like that giant Beatles anthology book that came with it. Oh my God. S- started listening to all the deep cuts. No, like I loved the Beatles, but, and I loved the music, but let's also be clear that I was having my own 11 year old, like Beatlemania. Like who is it? <laughs> who was in love with young Paul McCartney? That would be Amanda Dobbins. Oh, he was adorable to me. And so I kind of got into it via the like, early appeal. And then as I grew up and learned more about them, became obsessed with them because they are one of the greatest rock bands of all time. So yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. I mean, the impact, I'm a Beatles on music fans. Is, impact on music is immeasurable. Yeah. Um, so are you, still, I, are you still a Paul McCartney fan? Oh yeah. I'm a total Paul. Um, 
if 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 you have to like pick a side between Paul and John. And by the way, the real answer is that when Paul and John work together, they transcend, you know, their individual <laughs> amazing talents and that's what makes the Beatles great. So don't none of this day in the life stuff. Whatever. I'm getting too message boardy. But yeah, so I'm definitely a Paul person, which is a fascinating position to be in when watching Get Back. So if you don't know what Get Back is, if you don't have a Beatles nerd in your life like me. Um, or TV. There have been a ton of commercials. That is true because it's on um, Disney Apple Plus. So oh, they, Disney Plus. It's right. Disney Plus. So I also did first look for it on Apple TV. And then I was like, wait, no, it's <laughs> Disney Plus. Um, yeah, they got a lot of money to spend on. And also the Beatles, like personal, uh, like production, recording, whatever. Their music company is like Apple Core. So mm-hmm. you would assume that yeah. then it would be on Apple, but it's not Disney Plus. And so it's a eight hour documentary series directed by Peter Jackson, he of the Lord of the Rings and, and other things. And it's basically in 1969 when they were f- recording the album, let it be, which would ultimately be released in 1970 was their last album. They had a documentary crew sort of like Kanye, know, Beyonce yeah. does now though at the time, I think it was like, Slightly less common. They were originally going to be doing a TV special. And so they let the cameras kind of be around for the TV special. And then things went south. And so they nixed the TV special. But they had about 60 hours of documentary footage that had never seen the light of day. Um, Because shortly after the recording sessions, the Beatles like really hit the skids and they break up. And so all this footage was turned into like an 80 minute documentary, including like a pretty famous rooftop performance that you've definitely like, if you see a clip of it, you've seen, right. Like you would be familiar with this image or whatever, but most of the footage was never released. And so Peter Jackson watched all, watched all of it, restored it also. Cause it was like really crappy and you can just like basically be a fly on the wall as the Beatles both create an <laughs> album and like break up in real time. Uh, it's amazing. And it's amazing if you're a huge nerd like me and there are a lot of very cool things about the creative process. Again, sorry to be like, wow, craft. Um, but, you know, there is like an amazing moment where Paul McCartney in two minutes just like suddenly writes the song Get Back which is definitely a song, you know, and you just like watch him. He's like playing nothing on the guitar. And then suddenly it morphs into the riff for get back. And then Ringo goes to the drums and just like starts playing the, the beat for get back. And you're just like, Oh, Oh my God. Because that's really cool. That's really cool. I'm excited. I'm honestly excited to watch it. Like I, I, you know, I'm obsessed with songwriting. So I'm yeah. like very excited about that aspect. And it of is it. really cool because so many of these songs, just because they're, they're the freaking Beatles are now, just like lodged in your brain and in your life. And you forget that someone had to like make them once and the like casualness with which it's, you know, at some point three, three band members and some crew will be arguing about something. And you realize that Paul is in the background, like playing, let it be on the piano for the first time. And I, and like no one else cares. And you're just like, wait a second. So it's very cool as a document about like artists and uniquely creative people, I think in the Beatles making stuff, but it is also just an amazing celebrity document. And I just can't believe that there is this much footage about a really contentious part 
of their history, a.k.a. like when they started breaking up. Who owned the footage until this point? The, the Beatles did. And it was just kind of in a vault. And it, I think it got buried because right after this, I mean, you can kind of see the seeds of them breaking up. And again, like going back to this idea of creative partnerships and people outgrowing things and wanting to try different things, like all of that's happening in real time. So they're both having a great time in the studio and being Mm -hmm. like very magical together and also like sniping with each other. And also like George quits for two weeks. And also Yoko Ono is in the studio throughout. And she obviously has been like very unfairly maligned and blamed for breaking up the Beatles. And it's really honestly eight hours of her just kind of like doing a crossword puzzle and like not (laughs) getting in the way at all. She like reads the newspapers. She's like sitting very close to John Lennon and the other wives and girlfriends do come in and out a lot, but like Yoko's always there. It's noticeable, but you also see that like that was not the problem. There were like, I mean, also obviously if it was a problem, it's because John is choosing to put his attentions elsewhere. It has nothing to do with Yoko as we all know anyway, but it's fascinating to have eight hours of like, you know, just watching Yoko, like do whatever, watching John and Paul, like be mean to George at one point there is like a secretly recorded conversation between John and Paul. Yeah. Where the producers, like they went to talk privately about their feelings and the producers like put a microphone in a flower pot. And so, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And so you can hear them be like, we need to be less mean to George and all this stuff. And so it is all of this like lore and gossip that has been like relitigated and yelled about for years and years. And you just suddenly have like all this footage. It's of like what actually happened. Yeah. Of what actually happened. And all of like, you know, the small like personalities and like a lot of their feelings. It's crazy. I can't believe that it exists. That is, that is crazy. And also like Paul and Ringo, who are the two living Beatles are like quote producers on it. And I think did ultimately give their approval, but it's not like this super modern pop star thing of like, here is the exact message that I want to tell, like with my narration and, you know, this is, here's my branding and here is what this means. Like they just let someone else sift through all of it, which like, I, can you imagine, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce or any of the like, pop stars with archival footage now being like, yeah, sure. Just go through all this and make whatever documentary you want. No. Um, It's crazy. I'm excited to watch it. It's really cool. And I just kind of can't believe that it exists because you just don't get that kind of access to anyone anymore, but certainly like the freaking Beatles. I know. In 1969. I also just got to say the fashion just out of this world good. They look amazing all of the time. George Harrison, most of all, just tremendous fits from him. But it's, I mean, it is like 1969 in London. You'd be disappointed if not everyone is just on their A-game. Tremendous stuff. I'm excited to watch it. This is a great sell, Amanda. It's, I mean, you have to like care about the Beatles. It's not like they sit down. There's like 11 minute intro. That's like, here's who the Beatles were. And here's why they were popular. If you need that. Well, that's the Disney plus of it all. Right. Yeah. And and I think it's actually like well done and situates them, but you know, you need to know a little bit about the Beatles. Like you need to know that 
they broke up at some point that Yoko has traditionally been blamed that Paul and John wrote together and were like a little mean to George, you know, like to pick up on all the nuances you kind of you like, you should also probably know some of the songs. Otherwise you just have to listen to get back like 3000 times without knowing what song it is. I guess you'll know it by the end of watching it. So I wouldn't say that it's like a start from nothing thing, but it is the Beatles. A lot of people know about them. Do they? Do you think young people do? Sean Fennessy and I did a podcast about this and have been trying to figure out like, does anyone under 25 care about this at all? I think our generation does because like I at least was raised by boomers. I don't know whether your parents identify as boomers. I don't want to malign them without, you know, their consent or whatever. But our generation at least, you know, had access to the people who remember it sort of. And also Beatles anthology, like in the 90s, there was another wave kind of like now of being like, hey, care about the Beatles. But I don't know if that exists in the same way for this generation. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out from the Disney Plus signups. I'm yeah. excited to watch it. Um, I think it's really fun. And also, you know, if they made content just for old people, that's fine with me. <laughs> content for adults. I accept. <laughs> that's jam session. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to you next week in December. Thank you, Erica Cervantes, for producing this episode. And have a great week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.